Hello and welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. The focus of this podcast is on the interesting and creative people of Austin, Texas. As always, my intention is to have meaningful and in-depth conversations that I hope will be of value to you, the listener. They certainly are to me. I really love doing these interviews, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support our local art communities and create opportunities and success for ourselves through conversations like these. You might have noticed, unlike many other podcasts, this one has no sponsors. For me, it's a passion project that I create and produce 100% on my own every week. Please consider helping to support me and my continued efforts by becoming a patron of mine. Go to austinarttalk.com and click on the support tab to learn more. And if you really love an episode and have a feeling it might benefit someone else, please share it with them. It might be exactly what they need to hear. Thanks to those who follow and interact with me on Instagram, at Austin Art Talk. That is by far my favorite social media platform. I post daily about local art events and try to support and share the work of previous podcast guests, along with other interesting people, art, and podcasts that I find which you might enjoy. On to the rest of the show. Susanna Morgan's passion for art began with inspiration from her grandparents and has followed her through college, working at a gallery in New York City, running a gallery in Austin, and art consulting for corporate clients and sometimes very large projects. A year ago, with all of that experience and knowledge under her belt, she ventured out on her own to work directly with collectors and artists in a broader and more personal way. I think most any artist who listens to this conversation will get something out of it. Susanna really knows her stuff and is not afraid to share. We go into great detail about what she offers as an advisor and some of the tips you can take and run with. I really enjoyed speaking with her and I hope that some of you will be inspired by this conversation to seek out her help or someone like her. We can't do it all and sometimes you just have to delegate so you can stay focused on the work at hand. Here is Susanna. Okay, Susanna, thanks for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I've been so excited to talk to you because I feel like I haven't had anyone that does exactly what you do on the podcast Mm -hmm. yet, but I feel like what you're doing is so incredibly important as a service to to the Austin art community. You you have an advising company that helps collectors build their collections and Mm -hmm. find arts, or that's supporting artists, but Mm -hmm. then you're also helping artists with their own careers and trying to figure out how to sell their art too on the yeah, other side. So, absolutely. Yeah, I see them on, going hand in hand. You're on both sides of it, so yep. you can actually help both people connect everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, or how would you describe it, I guess? Yeah, so I describe my company, SKM Art Advising, as having two arms. So education being kind of the overarching theme with the two of them. So yeah. working with collectors to um, identify what they like why they like it, because a lot of people don't necessarily know how to describe what they like. They know what they like when they see it, but they don't know what, you know, the terms to to describe what they like. So um, helping to educate them on what those terms are, how to to think about art, how to look at art, and, um, you know, learning about different artists in particular, why should you buy a certain artist, and that kind of thing. So it's it's really, it, it is education of the collector. And then the artist advising slash artist coaching, we're still working out which of those terms yeah. is, you know, yeah. um, the best one, but it's, um, 
really working and educating artists on a one-on-one tailored basis. So with each artist, you know, we sit down and we we sit down everything that they are trying to accomplish as an artist, what their values are. We ask a bunch of questions that are designed to get into the meat of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And then putting a plan together that will hopefully help them to reach some of these goals that they've been having trouble getting to. So, yeah. yeah. I'm so excited to kind of hear like how you know how to do all that. <laughs> so obviously we're going to have to dig into your yeah, your past yeah. and and find sure. out your uh, your origin story. Mm-hmm. But I also the thought that I had when you were talking about collectors mm-hmm. is I just feel like we need more people like you because I feel like one of the complaints that I hear a lot from artists is like where are the collectors? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like they're out there. There's probably a lot of collectors here in Austin. There's a lot of people that want art it's just this classic intimidation people have an intimidation around art and they don't understand it or they don't know where to start Mm -hmm. and i feel like where's the conduit there where we can help educate Mm -hmm. those people and give them confidence to then want to buy some art locally yeah you know Mm -hmm. like i feel like that is so important or even you know locally of course you know I, i show mostly austin artists to my clients but i do show national and international artists as well yeah yeah so kind of being an impartial advisor to each client Right. Is the goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the term you used, conduit. Yeah. That's a good a good term for it. Because we were saying, you know, it's it's the bridge. We're the bridge to collectors. But no, I, I like the word conduit better because it's kind of a back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, kind of yeah. word, which I like. And I've also heard people talk about how like, oh, you know, all, you know, a lot of the people here with money are millennials and they're only interested in experiences. And, but uh-huh. I, I, don't, I don't totally believe that either because I, I feel like that. they all have a cool house that they want to have art in. I mean, not everyone, but it just seems like they're out there. It's just like, where are they? How do you find (laughs) them? How do you communicate with them? How do you convince them or encourage them to get educated about art? And then, you know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I definitely want to explore that more. So, so yeah, where do we start as far as, you know, your love of art? Where does that come from? I have always loved art um, and the art world. So, I would say that I was equally as interested in the artists themselves as the people selling the art. So I would have, I used to read a lot of biographies and autobiographies about artists. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I I was obsessed with biographies and, um, but I would also read them about gallery owners and dealers and, you know, the market and people that were, that were moving art and um, always found that to be really interesting. Um, And my grandparents were big supporters of that interest. Hmm. They always were really um, active in the Fort Worth, like with the Kimball Museum. I don't know if you've ever been to the Kimball, mm-hmm. but it's a beautiful, charming, wonderful museum. Yeah. And that was where I saw my first uh, big art show, which was Monet in the Mediterranean. And so it wasn't your typical, you know, it wasn't the water lilies. It was these amazing, you know, I forget what the the title of this piece, but there's this beautiful tree that kind of arches over and then it looks out onto the water and, and this cliff and it's gorgeous and i remember that that show really made a big Hmm. impact on me so my grandparents would take me every time i went to go visit to the kimball and buy me art books you know that i was interested in and yeah just really were supportive about that kind of thing and we even have a piece here in your apartment that your grandfather bought that you told me about yeah he was um he loved buying art and his tastes were and are you know still different from mine but this was a piece that when he bought it i remember him showing it to me and he was so proud and excited and i just 
I couldn't see it. I couldn't see what he liked about it. I, yeah. I didn't like it personally. You know, I didn't tell him that. But and then he was telling me about you know the things he liked about it. He would like point out specific parts of the yeah. painting that he liked, and I really liked how he how he talked about the art and why he bought it. And so I think thinking back on it, maybe that was part of, you know, my start in talking about art with people and how yeah. it really is personal. And even if it's not personally something that you, that is to your taste, you know, I think you could still appreciate, you know, the value in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, yeah, your grandparents were a huge influence. Yeah. Huge influence. Yeah. And so this kind of exposure that you had to art was more when you went to visit them. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my family was here in, in Austin. I grew up in, in Dripping Springs and always very creative, very supportive of any kind of creative endeavors that any of us wanted to do. In fact, the name of my business, SKM Art Advising, came from that. Um, when I was a kid, I had my own company. I was maybe eight or nine. Oh, and it okay. was a publishing company. <laughs> I called it SKM Publishing. And I would um, record books on tape. This is when books on tape oh, were wow. like starting to be a yeah. big thing. And so I would like read the Berenstain Bears and things like that into my boombox. Yeah. And my dad made oh, me cool. a sign for my, my bedroom door that said SKM publishing and so when i started my company i was like well i know what i have to call it yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah wow did you ever do art yourself at all i did i took classes at laguna gloria um i think like everybody (laughs) yeah but i'm not talented in any way shape or form it is not anything that anyone should see (laughs) okay yeah yeah um so when so you gained an appreciation of art through your grandparents and then that Mm -hmm. kind of built over the years and you saw them collecting art and you started frequenting these museums with them and then kind of where where did that lead so i studied um french and art history in college i went to ut here in austin um and moved to new york um a couple years after i graduated i had a couple of years of you know trying to figure out uh, what i was going to do and moved to new york and um started volunteering at the metropolitan museum um, in the education department so supporting the tours with children oh nice so typically it was like 13 and under so we would have pre-k sometimes aged children like three and four um so that was really fun to to walk with them around the museum and and look at paintings that you've seen as you know someone who's loved art for forever and and did art history like paintings you've seen a thousand times and you think you know everything about that painting and this kid will look at it and see something and you're like well i never saw that before oh cool (laughs) yeah it was really um really really eye-opening on how much you know, even if you think you know a lot, there's always something else to learn. Is there one particular story that stands out to you of that happening? I remember the painting we were talking about. I don't remember what the child said, but I, I remember that moment. It was a Stuart Davis painting, you know, one of those jazz um, yeah. paintings. And I and I, I, I can't remember what the child said, but it was I was so surprised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kids are good at that. They are. They are. Yeah. And they're looking at it for the first time. You know, they've never seen it before. So they, they talk about the colors and, and, and the different little things they see. And like that shape looks like a, you know, dragon or something. Mm-hmm. And just, just those little things where it kind of takes you out of your own head a little bit and you, you see things that you wouldn't have seen before. I think makes me think of play. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just, it's like a form of playing. Absolutely. And just being open. Yeah, which I think kind of that's what art is, really. You know, you're, you're, you've got the materials and you're playing with moving things around and colors and stuff. And it's, yeah, experimenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I talked about that with Bailey Lou a lot. Yeah, she, she's yeah, She's very I heard much that. into play and experimenting in her studio. Yeah, I loved that. That's a good approach. 
And why did you move to New York? I always wanted to. And the company that I was working for at the time was closing the office here and moved for offering oh, okay. <laughs> to move me there. So the answer was yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doing what so. kind of job? Oh, gosh. It was um, reinsurance. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, which was which was helpful because it kind of taught me about global, you know, economy and type things mm. and and. and numbers and money and stuff like that so that was helpful yeah but it was not what i wanted to do for the rest of my life so how did you transition into more art related jobs yeah so i I worked for them for about a year after i moved and started volunteering during that time and then i went um i left after the year and worked for a a gallery called the rebecca hossett gallery Mm -hmm. that was um in in soho on, on mott street and uh, it was owned by a, it was kind of the American outpost of this Australian woman's two London galleries. So Rebecca Hossack is this six foot tall, blonde, Australian, you know, powerhouse. And yeah. she was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but I learned so much from her on how to talk to people about art so that they make their own personal connections with it and um, are then will buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe elaborate on her philosophies and rules and kind of what you learned with her. Sure. So, um, first of all, you know, if anyone ever comes into the gallery, you say hello. It doesn't matter who they are. You know, you, you say hello, you welcome them, you tell them about the show. You know, we would, we would learn every detail about the artist that was on display and, um, really take them around to each piece, you know, and, and, and talk to them about each piece. She would say, pick something in each piece that you are interested mm. in and talk about that, you know, point it out. So she would really encourage us to get up close to the pieces with them and, and point out little details or textures or something and then relate it back to the bigger story of the artist's mm. career intention and the, the show. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, that was a big one. Um, so not just talking points that she gave you, but exactly. then you had to develop your own relationship to the work too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which sometimes it was difficult because I working in a gallery, you don't always like yeah. <laughs> necessarily personally what what is being shown, especially if it's not your own gallery. You're but you're there working there and you're selling the work, so you have to find something in each piece that that you relate to and that you like. That reminds me of something I've been thinking about putting some more energy and tension into, and it's something that I first started thinking about when I interviewed Claude Van Lingen. Mm-hmm. Um, because he would, he has this practice, I think, at least he did, where he would, if he went to go see a gallery show, he would, he would really study the work and Mm -hmm. try to like ask these questions and try to dig into it. And, and I've mentioned this before, I just feel like I'm guilty of not doing that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for someone who, you know, says that they're an appreciator of art and, wants to be a part of this community, I feel like I should probably start going to shows when there's no one there, you know, on a Mm -hmm. quiet time. And I should just Mm -hmm. like have a list of questions or some kind of procedure. And I should just go through and read this artist statement and look at each piece and think about it and ask questions. Why did they choose this? Why did you choose Mm -hmm. that? I just feel like that would just create such a more rich experience. And and you had to that was part of your job. Yeah. So you learned how to do that. Yeah. So that probably yeah. comes a little bit more automatic for you now. I, I would suppose think. so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like to go to shows when there's no one there. I, I love openings, you know, yeah. but that's not about seeing the art. It's about, it's about seeing the people, you know, yeah. and, and, and talking and, and 
community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like to go when it's when it's quieter and I can just take time with each piece and, and get up close to it. You know, I like to look at the sides of the piece and, and things like that. See the whole picture. Yeah. What else did you learn working for her? Because I know you said that you definitely had some emotionally challenging times. Too. <laughs> well, she was so you know it was such hard work you know, and she was she was such a powerhouse. She was very blunt, um, and and so, so you know, and I was very sensitive at the time. So I think there was you know some just it was just very hard work, but it was such an invaluable experience. Also, the team that that worked there were just this group of, of women. We were all about the same age and at different came at it from different backgrounds. Um, one of the women that was the gallery director when I started, she hired me. She was an, she has an illustrator background, so she she kind of approaches art in a different mm. way. And then the woman that came in to direct after her, she has a um, fine like jewelry background so mm. she was interested in objects and history of objects and things so that was a different perspective and so the way you know and I was was working with both of them and, and it was a really cool team um, yeah. and they've both gone on one of them does what I do um, in New York and the other one is a partner in a gallery in Hong Kong so oh, cool. um, yeah they're doing really cool things well, it seems um, like you could have easily been dissuaded from being in this world then from this job too, in a way, like if it was Oh, yeah, hard. just because it was so hard. Yeah. And you it did not pay well. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a struggle. It really was, you know, but it was, I, I loved it. You know, I remember the first piece that I sold ah. um, was a, by, it was a collage by an artist named Peter Clark. He's, he's English and he creates these amazing collages of animals out of vintage maps and things mm-hmm. and they're very english and i love them and he's a delightful person and we i was so excited it was a print you know and i sold it for, it was like fifteen hundred dollars or something so it wasn't a huge deal but to yeah. me it was everything i was like yeah. let's go get champagne and yeah you know? <laughs> nice. so yeah it was really fun oh um, yeah so what happened? How did that end or what happened next? Um, so, yeah, I worked there for a few years and we did, you know, the affordable art fair and, and just, just hustled basically for that wow. whole time. I was exhausted and uh, met my, my partner Vance up there and during that time. And then we decided to come back to Austin because his family's here, too. So we decided it was time to mm. time to come back and be be back here with family. Yeah. So. So you got back here and then you're just kind of starting from scratch or a little bit. Yeah. Cause I, so we came back in 2013. Okay. Um, and I didn't really know anyone here very much anymore and definitely didn't have any connections in the art world. And I went to a, you know, I started going to shows, um, going to openings to try and meet people just to like be out and in, in things. And I, volunteered at the umlauf briefly for like six months or something mm-hmm. to, you know just to be involved and then we went to a show at davis gallery called the town in the city and it was david leonard and oh my gosh i forget the, the name of the other artist um which is terrible but it was it was a it was a show of um austin skylines and new york skylines so it was like city city scapes and so we wanted to go to that and that's where i met um christina martell who was the director there at the time I ended up taking over for her at Davis um, oh, okay. <laughs> a couple of like a month later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, think I forgot work. that you worked there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Funny. Yeah. Well, that's where we met. Cause yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Okay. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, you know, working at Davis was a great experience because I was plonked into 
you know, the middle of a lot of really great art being made. And, um, you know, I got to meet amazing artists like David Everett and Laurel Daniel and, you know, Lisa Beeman and, and a lot of people that, that I really admire. So, yeah, that was a really great, great experience. Yeah. And you have a reason to have, they have a relationship with the gallery, then mm-hmm. they have a relationship with you because mm-hmm. you're a part of that then. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you're kind of interacting with them in a way that mm-hmm. other people might not. Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience, especially if I was trying to, I was trying to get, get into this, this art community here and, and establish myself within the community. And that definitely did that. Yeah. 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 And how long were you there? Uh, a year. Okay. Yeah. And what did you learn uh, I guess Bill still ran the gallery. I'm he assuming. Did, yeah. But then what? What was what was your role? Like, what did you so, learn doing that? So I was the um, gallery director. So my role was basically um, uh, to everything. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was um, planning shows, um, hanging the shows, doing the press releases. You know, social media, all of those things mm. that go into running a gallery, um, selling work, being there physically, being there um, constantly. So yeah, it was, it was everything, which is, that's part of working in a gallery. You, you do a little bit of everything or mm-hmm. a lot of everything. <laughs> Were you dealing at all with the framing side of the business? I did. All? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would help design framing if we were busy, you know, work with clients on designing framing, which was actually invaluable because I think for a consultant or an advisor to understand framing, like the mechanics of mm. framing is really, really helpful, you know, so you can, you can give clients advice on how to frame yeah. art and how to how it should be mounted you know so that it, it it's museum and archival and and all that wow what a great stuff. education yeah, i didn't it even was considered good. that aspect of it it's so helpful so helpful yeah what did you learn or how did that help your education continue learning about selling art or running a gallery or just working with artists like what do you feel like you got out of that year that you're using now that's a great question. It was different from working in a gallery in New York, and that seems like an obvious statement, yeah. of course. You yeah. know? I had to, I think, adjust a little bit of my expectations on energy levels. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, I was coming in and I was, you know, coming off of working with, with Rebecca Hasek and, and I was like, okay, let's do all of this stuff. And then it, but it was a little bit of a slower pace. Yeah. And so I had to kind of dial it, it back a little bit. <laughs> Here, uh, yeah, Austin, yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I think that was the biggest thing where I was like, "Oh wait, I need to, I need to, I need to slow down," you know. Yeah. And and so yeah, that was that was a big thing. But there's a lot of relationship building there. I'm sure it was all relationship building for the you know, and st- I still am. You know, I think that's yeah. just the nature of the business is is relationship building with clients, relationship building with artists, relationship building with framers, installers. You know, people that make up this whole ecosystem that we call, you know, Mm -hmm. the art world is all of these people, even people who come and pack the work and ship it, you know, they need to understand what, you know, so it's building up trust with all of these different people, Mm. um, I think is important. Um, It makes me wonder, I don't know if this is an appropriate question to Mm -hmm. go back, to jump back, but I just feel like the woman that you work for in New York like if she was so tough in a way, like mm-hmm. is she still building relationships? Because I just imagine like if you're kind of blunt and you might be off-putting to certain people and then you're working with a framer that ends up not wanting to work with you because you're like that. I mean, that's not building relationships. I'm just wondering if there's like a liability in having that kind of personality potentially. You yeah, know? that's a really good observation. Um, I think that it depends. So in building relationships, you have to be true to who you are as a person. Yeah. And and that's just being open 
uh, to to people. And um, I think that that was who she was. And I think it worked for her because yeah. she, you know, she had, she was six, six feet tall and she, just this, it's just who she was. And, mm-hmm. and I think it worked for her. Whereas for me, if I tried to do that, it, it wouldn't work for me because I'm, that's not my personality. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing I learned, you know, I, I think it's something we relearn even on a personal level is just being true to who you are and knowing who you are. And I think you'll be more successful if you have a good handle on what, what that is. Yeah, no, that's definitely yeah. something. I mean, this is kind of a side, sure. but that's something I've been thinking about lately. Totally. I think we talked about that, just having, mm-hmm. knowing what your values are. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is where your boundaries come from. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. knowing what you want and why. Yeah, and, totally. And that that's that works on a personal level and a professional level, yeah. for sure. So when, yeah. how did that end, being at Davis? Yeah, so then I uh, was offered um, a position at a company called Art Plus Artisans Consulting here in Austin. And so uh, I decided to go and work for them. They do uh, commercial art consulting. So they work with um, corporations. They work with um, interior designers on multifamily projects, um, healthcare all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was something again completely different, um, yeah. and that I hadn't, and that was a big learning curve on because it was it was project management. Um, so it was it was a lot more building project management skills and and dealing with corporate clients over individuals. So it was re- really different, but just it was such a good ex- such a good experience. <laughs> yeah, like a different <laughs> scale know? and more bureaucracy and Totally. Can, yeah, like for for every company you have to understand, you know, to some extent their interior their inner corporate culture and so and you have to be able to navigate through that, you know, as an outsider but still understand what they want to accomplish with artwork, you know, because Companies are buying artwork to communicate who they are before mm. they even say anything. So yeah. you're going to an attorney's office and you walk in the door. No one has greeted you yet. You see different pieces of artwork in the lobby. You're making a judgment on who that law firm is yeah, and how you might be treated by that law firm before you've been greeted, before anyone's had said anything. So... Um, makes me question some art I've seen in some doctor's offices uh-huh. <laughs> in waiting yeah. rooms. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what yeah, kind of message you're trying to send There's here. some 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 successful <laughs> ones and some not-so-successful yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, company art. But it was really interesting to talk to corporations about why they wanted to buy art and to hear what they had to say was different, but also not that different from Hmm. an individual wanting to buy art. So um, they would say that we want to support the local community, which made me really happy. So 99% of the clients I worked with here in Austin, the first thing they would say is we want to show our connection to this community by buying Austin artists only. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And that was great. That was really just, and that was almost every project we worked on. Oh, that's on. awesome. Mm-hmm. Which um, goes against the narrative that everyone that wants to buy art goes to some other city. It sure does. Yeah. 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 Which I think is that awesome. is, is and those, not true. And they're spending yeah. a lot more money. Oh, yeah. But budgets are bigger um, <clears throat> with, with companies. You know, artists get to really stretch their... I would encourage every artist to really look at how they could develop relationships with consultants that work on corporate projects. Yeah. Um, because it really gives you a chance to work on bigger projects with bigger budgets and to be able to stretch your legs um, and try new things. 
I, I almost, as you're talking, I almost feel like you probably couldn't have planned it better, like the different jobs you've had to have the experience and knowledge you have to for your business right now. Yeah, everything kind of all, you know, I, I, I use different things I learn in different um, points in my life daily. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me more about the art plus artisans job, like yeah. what you learned or. Um, so again, it was another incredible team of women. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that has also been a constant throughout my careers is, is working with amazing, inspiring, um, women. So I learned, you know, I grew so much professionally on managing big projects and being able to deal with budgets and timelines and things that were really complicated. You know, Mm. one project may have had, you know, 75 different pieces of art coming from, you know, five different artists plus, you know, prints and photography coming from all different parts of the country. And I, they all needed to be in one place at one time, you know, so managing all of that and And maybe need to be framed. Exactly. So managing framing installation and all of that stuff, um, was, it was, it was difficult in the best possible way. Yeah. In a fun, (laughs) challenging way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really, um, taught me about problem solving, Hmm. um, and about confidence that, okay, so things probably will go wrong. They could go wrong and, but there's always a solution. So, you know, you just have to figure out what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was really, really helpful. And I think it taught me a lot about running a business. It's a small, you know, small business. Jennifer C., who owns it, was so open about the mechanics of her business with her employees. And I am forever grateful to mm. her for that because it was really inspiring to see her. A lot of times your boss, you don't see the struggles that they're going through, you know, and the difficulties and the problems that they're dealing with, which are many, Uh, but she was really open about it. So it was really inspiring um, to watch her, watch her work and figure things out on her end. So I thought, well, you know, I could maybe do this too. Yeah. And then I imagine you're also having to invest time into researching artists, finding artists Mm -hmm. to fulfill these corporate clients' needs. Definitely. For each project, there was a significant amount of research time to find new artists because we want to keep it fresh, you know, keep it interesting. Um, And that's definitely carried over into what I do now for each each individual client. I do research and, and I don't show them the same thing twice, you know, if I'm working with them over time to build mm-hmm. a collection every time I do research I, I'm bringing them new options yeah so yeah yeah it seems like you must love like the East Austin studio tour I mean I don't know if you I, I just imagine you like trying to hit up every stop or something <laughs> yeah I used to I used to for sure um yeah, yeah but I think you've got the lay days, of the land I've got the lay of the land I'm a well. little bit older now and I'm tired <laughs> yeah I gotcha yeah that's a so, lot yeah yeah but yeah it's uh it, it it is a good resource. I do use the catalog. I have them going back many years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I use that as a resource for sure. Mm-hmm. How would you recommend artists approach consultants like this? Like, how does that? What does that look like? Okay. <laughs> yes. Because you ha- you think about you know what the consultant is dealing with on their end, you know, and I have several stories of of how not to do this you know, how not to, to approach a consultant, but mm-hmm. you approach a consultant with um, professionalism. You are prepared with all your information because what you are, you are as an artist, part of a bigger picture of what's going on in the project. Yeah, And these can be huge projects. So you need to be a professional, nice person. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fundamentally is what you need to be because yeah. if you're easy to work with, 
we're going to show your work over and over again. Mm. Um, and that's a huge thing because you think about all the stress in a project, things that, you know, you're dealing with the client, you're dealing with all of these, you know, various things that are happening. And, and if an artist is constantly emailing you or calling you or has questions, you know, that you've already given answers to, they're not being a team player, yeah. you know, that can be really difficult and would prompt the consultant to maybe not work with you again. Yeah. So... Isn't that kind of an unfortunate stereotype that artists get sometimes that they're kind of like not reliable or they're kind of difficult yeah. or there's it kind is of those, those stories? Because it's, it's, there are those stories, but there are those people in every industry, yeah, right. you know? And so it's, it's like, it's just people, people are people. <laughs> and, and the majority of artists that I've worked with are amazing and delightful and lovely and I love them. So yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely um, an undeserved stereotype. Yeah. Is there anything else to say about Art Plus Artisans before we move on? Um, no, I think that was it, really. Uh, I worked on some amazing, amazing projects, and I, w- I worked with artists that I wouldn't have had mm. contact with otherwise, and, and so really good connections with artists and, and really broadened my, my scope you know, yeah. of what I can offer that I, I wouldn't have before. You know, I find that when I was younger, I, I was like, well, I'm going to open a gallery. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to represent ah. artists. But after working on the consulting side, you can do so much more. I felt, you know, yeah. as, as a consultant, as an advisor, because really there are no limits, you know, to, to what kind of art you can show to your clients. It, there are really no limits, especially these days, you know, you can sell mm-hmm. art from Australia, you know, and it's, it's really, I, I, I love that. And you don't have the overhead of the exactly that too. Yes, that. <laughs> yeah. But we want those too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's again that's the ecosystem. So you have galleries, you have advisors, you have corporate consultants, you have you know nonprofits, public art. All of those things create this this ecosystem, and everything works together. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, if we all work together, then we'll all be successful. Yeah. So how did you transition out of that? You transitioned out of that into where you are now? Yes. And how yeah. scary was that? It I was mean, really scary, um, but very exciting. I had lots of support from from Vance, and uh, I probably wouldn't have done it if, if he hadn't have been supportive, because it is really scary. But I, uh, it's actually a year ago last week that I, oh, I left. Nice. It was my last day. Yeah, October 1st. So the business is officially a year old. Thank you. <laughs> It was just time, you know, it was just one of those things I was working on a big project and it had just, you know, it was one of those projects that just takes everything mm, <laughs> from you. And I was, yeah. I was exhausted and, and I was ready to, ready to move on. It was just time. And so I, I opened up my company and yeah. got started. Very cool. Yeah. And I work with an amazing business coach oh. who has helped me since before I left. Um, and she's, she's amazing. And, and I probably wouldn't have been able to do it without her either. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to give her a shout out or? Uh, yeah. She, her, her name is Anne. She works with a company called Effective Edge. Um, and she's, she's out of uh, Denver. So we, we meet um, online, but she's, she's amazing. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I, I could probably use something like that myself. Yeah. No, she's, amazing. she's um, amazing. So let's dig into all the services that you provide. Okay. And um, maybe we could talk about what you offer to people, to collectors, and, mm-hmm. then, and then we could kind of finish with your guidance to artists. So uh, I work with collectors to buy art for their collections, and each collector has different goals in buying art. So we sit down in the first meeting and I have a series of questions that I ask them that helps me to determine what those goals are if they're not already 
super clear on those, which typically they're not. So some of those questions are, you know, just what do you do in your spare time? You know, hmm. how, how do you live? Do you, do you have a lot of parties? Do you have children? You know, <laughs> those kinds of things are going to drive a little bit of what, you know, how my research goes and where I start with my You're research. You're getting to know them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah getting to know them. Um, I meet with them in their homes so I can see their space as it is now. I can see the artwork they already have, the colors that they're using, because, you know, you want meaningful art that also fits in the overall design of the home. So um, it's important for me to understand the space, you know, photograph it, um, measure walls, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I go and I just start researching and I pull and the first meeting that I have with the client to show them these options, there are maybe on average 25 different artists that I'm showing them Mm. because I try to start big and then we narrow it down. And because I don't represent artists, you know, I tell clients I have, you know, you will not hurt my feelings. I didn't make this art. I don't represent artists. So you can be completely honest with me about how you feel. And and we are really getting into what you want for your collection. And it is really driven by the client on where we go from that initial meeting. And what Um, their budget is, I guess. Budget's super important. Yeah. Yeah. Timeline is super important. Sometimes Mm. they have a party you know, that they're having or an event that they're having at their home and they really need artwork for it, Oh wow! you know? So then that's kind of like an art emergency and I need to get my, you know, my van and run around yeah. and pick up pieces of art, which I've done. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and take pieces to the client's house so they can select. So it's like a super quick that, you know, week to yeah. get that done. But usually it's ideally a long-term process. And yeah. I would like, you know, I, ideally I like to work with clients over time. So throughout a year, we're purchasing things, you know, at different points in the year um, for different areas of their home. And it's really extremely gratifying when install day happens and we put the piece up and they're just like, it completely changes this space and it makes me feel happy or it makes me feel, you know, whatever way they wanted to feel. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's really gratifying to be able to provide that for them. So they're happy, and then you're sending a check to the artist, and that exactly artist is everybody's happy. happy. Everybody's happy. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah, and, then, and I guess you're. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think another important thing that I've found with working with individuals is that potential collectors they don't realize how much amazing art is actually within their reach. Mm. They assume that a piece is going to be too expensive because they love it and it's beautiful and amazing or it's large. But if you work with someone like me, you have the advantage of my relationships with artists. So it brings things that may be out of your reach. If you go yourself within your Uh, reach, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's also really fun to be able to exceed expectations and show them pieces that they didn't um, think was, was possible. Otherwise, what other misconceptions do you run into a lot with collectors that you have to kind of help reeducate them about? If they think, oh, this stuff's out of reach or something mm-hmm. like that. That's the biggest one. Okay. You know, especially with um, this piece by Rebecca Jewell. I, I've shown it a couple of times and, I'm, and I tell that client, you know, this this piece is it's spectacular. And, and, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, is that in my budget? <laughs> I'm like, of course it is. You know, because when we establish those parameters at the mm. beginning, you know, everything I'm going to show you is going to be within your budget. I really try not to go over it if at all possible. So that's that's the biggest one, I think, is they think that art is out of their reach. And there's something, I guess, unique about Rebecca Jewell, because mm-hmm. she's specifically an artist that you are representing, in a sense. So right? I am, um, she is based out of uh, the UK, so she splits her time between London and Cambridge. And she is an artist that I got to know when I was at Rebecca Hasek, and she creates these amazing pieces out of um, bird feathers 
on my website, I have images of her work and information about her. But I really felt strongly that she needed to be introduced to collectors and the market here in Texas, because I think that people will respond really well to it. And, yeah. and so far, yes, it's been a really good response. And so, you know, my goal with, with showing her here is to build a market for her work here in Texas. So and that's a really fun challenge to try and build a market for an artist that is previously unknown. So that's like a different level from just, you know, you like you said, you meet with a client and you show them 25 different artists work. Mm -hmm. This is like a different level of intention around a specific artist, I suppose, in a way, right? It's like a different relationship or not? It's, It's a different relationship with the artist. I am promoting her work, but it's being able to show her work and have a piece here to collectors who would uh, yeah. be interested. And the reason why I decided to do it the way I did was because I needed to have a piece of her work here because it's hard to get an idea of what it is from this computer screen. You know, it just doesn't it just doesn't do it justice. And I really felt strongly that I needed to be able to have a piece here. And so then that's how this relationship kind yeah. of developed was through that um, initial conversation. Um yeah, it's hard to see in a photo, you know, feathers that have been printed on, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, which no one else does. I have not found anyone else who, who works like that. And it's, um, I, I just think she's really special. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as working with collectors, I saw on your website, it also says that you're helping them deal with a lot of other considerations like insurance, conservation, mm-hmm. maintenance, security, mm-hmm. museum loans, and inventory. Mm-hmm. So this is like intention around building a lifelong collection or something yes. that you would hand down to your children exactly. or something. Exactly. Yeah. And and keeping track of it. You know, inventory is really important. So I will come to the home and, and inventory everything. <laughs> oh, wow. And provide an inventory fun. document. It is fun. It is fun. Um, and I work with um, appraisers. I have security consultants if there's security concerns around a certain piece, hmm. um, which has happened. Um, so that was really exciting. You know, just just Collections management is an ongoing process of maintaining the piece. You know, it may need reframing after a certain amount of time, you know, because sometimes the hinges where the piece is yeah. mounted can can slip. And so just keeping track of those things and keeping track of the condition of the work is, is important when you are really at any level, but really when you're buying pieces that are of a certain either price point or provenance, you know, if, if you're buying on the secondary market, you know, you need to keep track of those things and it can be complicated sometimes, so... So if yeah. we have any potential collectors listening or someone that wants to kind of start getting a little more educated, they should mm-hmm. just reach out to you and you Absolutely. can just start talking yeah. about Yeah, for it. sure. For sure. So then the other part of what you do, you're working with artists and you said either coaching or advising mm-hmm. and you have a list of topics including but not limited to, and I wanted to kind of maybe touch on these different topics okay. one by one. Oh, sure. Yeah. Does that that work? Yeah. So organizing a portfolio of materials to present to targeted consultants, galleries, and others in a professional, easy to understand way. I mean, it's obvious, but is there anything? I'll just read these off. And if there's anything you want to add to that? Sure. Yeah. So for that one, that goes back to working in all of these different roles that I've had over my career so far. I saw a consistent issue with artists not understanding who they're talking to. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I would get I would or or not paying attention to what they were asked to provide. So yeah, um, if you know, I would always ask for JPEG images. Please do not send me a PDF because that's not helpful for the way that we work. And I would get sent a PDF. You know, yeah. so that to me is not 
again, goes back to being professional and, and a partner. You know, the artist is a partner with whoever you're selling work through. Also making it easier on the artist then, because a lot of artists don't have all of this stuff organized and up to date in one place. Right. And so if you have all of this stuff updated, clear, labeled, you know, your price sheet is understandable and you feel good about it. And it clearly says, you know, these are my prices to the, you know, prices to the artist or price retail, which means you would then split that down the middle or whatever your commission split is Mm. with whoever you're selling through. Then you can, if you find a gallery that you're interested in, you can just send that stuff off like super easy or to a consultant, you know, you do need to tailor it a little bit, but it's just tweaking here and there for whoever you're submitting it to. So having it all in one place um, is really essential, I think, to helping make artists lives a little bit easier because you guys are busy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that was one thing I was thinking of mm-hmm. earlier when you're talking about working for art plus artisans, it's mm-hmm. like there probably were artists that you wanted to work for, but they probably were not organized or in a way that made it Easy. Easy. Absolutely. Yeah. There were a couple of, of instances where I was like, I really want to show this artist, but I just, I can't get the information I need. And so I, I can't show them right now. Yeah. I don't have time to figure this out. <laughs> or to help them. Exactly. exactly because that's not, you're... that's not the role of a consultant or an advisor. You know, that's the, mm. that's either the artist's um, responsibility, or if you're, if you are represented by a gallery, that's something to work through with your gallery or working through, you know, someone who provides artist coaching. Yeah, like you. <laughs> like me. Uh, pricing work appropriately. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a big one. That's a big one. That's hard. It's really hard. Um, and it's not just hard for artists. It's hard It's hard for everyone. And so helping to give some perspective on why a certain price is maybe a little bit too ambitious or maybe mm-hmm. not ambitious enough. Usually it's one or the other. It's yeah, not right. In the right. Middle, you know, so um, yeah, helping to provide some, some context with pricing is important. Yeah. What can the market bear and yeah, you know, yeah. context of other art that you... You mm-hmm. see that they might not see that's comparable. Absolutely. Or- and and also, you know, from my perspective, knowing what collectors and clients are paying, mm. you know, um, because you always hear like, you should price your art, whatever people will pay for it. Yeah. Um, and that's true to an extent, but also there's a lot of other factors that, that go into it. So yeah, just being able to provide some more perspective and some context around pricing um, has been a valuable resource for artists so far that I've worked with. Yeah. Yeah. One thought that I often have when I'm at a gallery uh, specifically is that, you know, if I see a price and I just feel like, wow, that seems high. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I wish I could afford that. Yeah. And then I think, well, they might only, the artist might only be getting half of that. So that's Correct. really not that much. And I just Correct. think, well, actually, I don't think they're getting enough, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like half of that doesn't even seem like enough for this. Yeah. So it's like, that's like a tricky thing where it it's like the gallery's taking the risk. They're doing all their work the work to promote the artists they're having shows they're producing printed materials they're Mm -hmm. doing social media they're having their hours where they're open they're Mm -hmm. paying their rent and the insurance and it's like justified that they would be making that money but Mm -hmm. then sometimes i'm just like man i wish i could just go buy it for half this price from them directly (laughs) you know i don't know i mean maybe it's not fair for me to think that way but i just like in 
being someone who doesn't have a lot of money to collect yeah. art, like sometimes I do have these thoughts. I admit. <laughs> yeah, I and I think that, that that I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the way that you're thinking, and especially because you know a lot of the you know the back end of what what's going on behind the scenes. Um, yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. But I think that's an important distinction that you're you're that you brought up about how the artist doesn't get the full price that's yeah. listed, you know, on the tag next to the piece of art, you know, because it is typically 50-50 with a gallery. And I think some artists, for, they don't forget about that, but they maybe don't take that into consideration when they're pricing their work. Hmm. So I always, when we're working on pricing, I remind artists, okay, so is this the price that you want to receive? Right. <laughs> or is this the, or are you okay with receiving half of this or 60% of this or whatever it is that your commission split is? Yeah. Is that going to cover your costs, your time, your, you know, those things that you need to cover? You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's, oh, wait, no, it needs to be more, yeah. you know, and then, okay, so it needs to be more. So what does it need to be? So then they, you know, then we get to that point and then we look at, all right, is that something that is sustainable, will is sellable? You know, if it's not, maybe we need to style it back a little bit, you know, just kind of get to a point where, and it's, it's, it's where the artist is comfortable. I feel so. like more often than not, though, I see art outside of the gallery setting that is underpriced mm-hmm. and I makes me sad sometimes I, I feel like oh no they should be charging more for this yeah but so how do you boost artist confidence around that like if they're just like oh i can't even imagine someone paying this me this much for this I, yeah or what you know that that must be a challenging sometimes too i think it comes the the confidence comes in when we're working on what are your values as an artist what are you trying to accomplish what are you trying to say and why are you trying to say it mm-hmm. how are you trying to say it if you know those things, you're going to feel a lot more solid. And f- I think you're going to feel and understand the value of your own work. Because I think where a lot of the disconnect is, is that artists maybe don't quite understand the value of their own work. So that's why a lot of these, you know, a lot of the time I spend with artists is asking similar questions to the collectors yeah, on yeah. why what are your goals around collecting so as an artist what are your goals around being an artist and a lot of them will say you know i want i want gallery representation or i want to increase sales you know which are great great goals so okay then everything that you do with me this year however long we're going to work together is then tailored to get to whatever that goal is yeah so i think that that just working through those things it just inherently boosts confidence Mm. Um, so it's not anything that's done i think consciously i think it just happens through the process yeah it's not literally like a pep talk it's like a process (laughs) sometimes i do those too exploration yeah okay yeah Yeah. Mm. we all need pep talks we all need pep talks uh, back to the list, writing mm-hmm. and maintaining artist statements, resumes, and other materials. Yeah, just all mm-hmm. part of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think artist statements are tricky for a lot of artists. I, I do just write them, you know, for artists. I, I get all the information I need and, yeah. then, I, and then I prepare a statement um, for them to review. I think that this, you know, I have my, my tips on, on what a good artist statement has. It says, you know, who you are, what your work is actually physically what is it yeah how do you make it why do you make it and what is your intention for someone looking at it what Mm. do you want them to get out of it what do you hope that they get out of it and then so if all of those elements are in that statement that's a good statement uh, Mm -hmm. in my opinion so I, I almost imagine that you would customize any relationship that you have consulting for an artist to what they need i mean it's like if they just come Mm -hmm. to you and say 
can you help me write an artist statement? I'm assuming you would just Absolutely. do that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have it's, to be like a whole tailored. super coaching no, it package doesn't. or something. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, no. And because it doesn't work for every artist. Yeah. You know, it's it's every artist needs something a little bit different. Right. So that's why it's really tailored um, to to what what is needed. And it does. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a year long. Yeah. You know, um, grand plan. Uh, yeah, it can just be some tweaking here and there. Identifying strategic contacts and organizations that are in line with career goals and ambitions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I have heard from many artists that they will just send out, they will send postcards out to like a hundred different galleries, consultants, you know, around the country. And they're like, Oh, I don't hear back Hmm. because it's not, it's not targeted. You know, you're, you're just blanket sending these things out. And those, those people may not be good fits for your work. So you've wasted money on your postcard, you've wasted time, you know, and, and it hasn't gotten you anywhere. Um, so doing doing some market research and figuring out, okay, who, what, maybe what city is a good market, what, what state, what region is a good market for your work, and then um, identifying potential sellers within that market or region, and, and then identifying those people and starting to build a relationship with those people instead of just, you know, sending out materials, which isn't, isn't helpful, because I will tell you that we get hundreds yeah (laughs) and hundreds of postcards um at a time and it's 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 excessive yeah yeah so just being more targeted and intentional absolutely yep Hmm. yep and i could just almost imagine someone listening to you talk about doing all this research thinking oh i don't want to do that but you don't have to right exactly exactly (laughs) Susanna will do it for you (laughs) (laughs) well said Uh, ongoing accountability support Mm. like i'm geez i can't believe i can't tell you how many friends of mine that i'm like let's be accountability partners mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, accountability is huge yeah yeah and that's been the biggest thing that i've heard from from artist clients is they really appreciate the accountability so we meet as often as the artist wants or is in their budget to do and um just hey how, how's it going what are you working on what's difficult right now what can i support you with and and that seems to be really helpful mm-hmm. um, just staying on target because i think a lot of artists i've heard over and over again feel isolated Yes. Um, when you're in your studio working, you don't have contact with a lot of other people and you can kind of feel adrift. Um, so, yeah, just kind of being an anchor to where you can kind of reset and focus. I don't want anyone to think that I'm just like fangirling you so hard, <laughs> but it's just like I feel like every artist should have a consultant <clears throat> or a coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems like it should be a given. Like, everyone should have a therapist, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and and when I first started doing this, I was I jokingly would say I'm kind of like a therapist. For, yeah. For, but it has right. kind of um, <laughs> developed that way. But it is so helpful. And it really was inspired. I mentioned my business coach earlier. It's the same type of thing, you know, like her coaching and and expertise and guidance and and accountability that she's provided me, inspired me, mm. you know, it has made me accomplish so much more um, than I would have, I think, on my own, just yeah. focus and targeting, you know, what you're trying to do and knowing what your goals are is really important. Yeah, I think that's something that I've been thinking a lot about myself. It's like, I need help. I can't do all these things on my own. I can't Mm -hmm. figure out all these things on my own. Like, I just, I don't, it's like, I have to delegate things. And then on top of, you have to make the work. Yeah. Too. So, who's got the time? (laughs) Just like with, um, you know, I just interviewed Deborah Roberts, Mm. and it's like, she's got all these people helping her, and, Mm -hmm. and, and so she can focus on the work. Yeah, yeah. And that's 
her, that should be her job mm-hmm, is making mm-hmm. artwork, not Absolutely. answering emails. Yep. For sure. Um, or <laughs> gessoing canvases or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, understanding the art industry and aspects of the business that are unclear mm-hmm. based on your experience and in-depth understanding of the business, which obviously you've just uh, illustrated with all of your different jobs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, you know, I've had a lot of artists that, that, well, a couple of artists that I've talked to that I have great respect for and thought that they were at like the top of their game and they knew everything and they were such pros. And, and one of them told me, I was shocked. They were like, I don't think I really understand what an advisor does. And I didn't, I was like, but you've been working in this business for 40 years. How can you not? Yeah. So I think that there's still just this shroud of mystery, you know, even people mm. who work in the industry over what different professionals do and so try to kind of demystify it a little bit yeah you know because it's going to make you more successful as an artist if you understand you know that you really shouldn't ask a consultant to advise you on pricing you know like that you don't have a coaching relationship with Mm. but just a commercial consultant like what we would do at art plus artisans advising on pricing was not part of our job you know but a gallery can provide you with pricing so knowing Mm. what each entity yeah. does is just really helpful and kind of i think in my opinion lifts everything a little bit to a, n- a new level of, of professionalism if there's a deeper understanding i could almost imagine you know when you were consulting and people would ask you for all the things that you're offering as a coach mm-hmm. like you're probably just like i should just be doing this yeah as a coach. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, well, it was hard for me also to say no. I'm sorry, I can't do that because I would have lots of thoughts and ideas, and yeah. and, and but I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to the list again. Website <laughs> and social media advising, which mm-hmm. is very important. It's very important. The same as kind of the artist statement and all that. Yep. Um, industry introductions. Yeah. So I will give referrals. You know, I will introduce. Um, you know, I will. I will tell certain consultants and things if it's a good fit hey you should check out this artist and i will give them their information and then they can take it from there you know but yeah introductions Mm -hmm. and referrals yeah because the artist like you said we're you know it's the solitary thing that Mm -hmm. you're you can't be out creating all these industry connections Mm -mm. while you're trying to make art while you're trying to make art yeah and referral resources Mm -hmm. it's kind of in terms with that yeah yeah so something that's not maybe completely related uh, that I wanted to ask you about that I was curious is that you volunteer with the Girls Advocacy League. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the Girls Advocacy League is a arm of the Girls Empowerment Network, mm-hmm. which is um, their goal is to ignite the power of girls. So it's providing resources um, for, for girls in Central Texas. There's um, chapters, I believe, in Houston and in Dallas, definitely Houston. Um, but they do summer camps for girls, professional strategies and things. So I, I, I did a great um, event with them, which was networking skills for, for girls. They were high school aged, about to go into college. Yeah. And so practicing networking, pr- practicing, you know, how to present yourself and things like that. So giving giving girls tools and strategies to succeed in, in life. And it's I think it's such a great organization and everyone should be involved. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's really awesome. Wow. And how did you find that? And what do you get out of doing that? Oh, gosh. So I think I saw it on Instagram. And uh, it just 
clicked on it and and thought, wow, what a great organization. I think there was someone, one of my mutual Instagram contacts was involved. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that's why it got suggested to me, and and it just went from there. And the the women that are um, in the organization are just so high energy, and um, what I get out of it is um, just an fun. You know, uh, Kristen Bell did a great uh, interview one time where she was talking about volunteering and how it's actually fundamentally a selfish thing because you feel so good afterwards, you know? So it just makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I've done something worthwhile and helpful. And I really wanted to start volunteering through my company. So, so like as my Mm, company, um, so it's something that I do, you know, as me as a, as an advisor versus me as myself in my personal life. Yeah. Because one of my, when I worked with my business coach, we, we worked out my goals, uh, and not my goals, my values as yeah. a company and, um, community was one of them. Yeah. Um, and so that was the way that I thought that, you know, could build the community and, and help, help in a broader sense. So not just limited to the art community. Yeah. Because um, I didn't just want to only do things about art. That makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's a great organization. Everyone should check them out. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So is there, maybe just thinking about the Austin market, mm-hmm. How do you? what do you feel optimistic about the Austin art market? Because I know that I've talked to a lot of people that, you know, are skeptical or they're kind of frustrated or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like there's issues mm-hmm. with space and collectors and this and that. Like Absolutely. And what, what's your what's your take? Um, well, I, I am extremely optimistic oh, about the, the market. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that my viewpoint is maybe a little bit different from some of the other people that you may have talked to. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, corporations are coming in and they are investing in art um, yeah. um, extensively. Um, I know that there are a lot of great projects going on right now with some amazing Austin artists. So that's really encouraging because then that trickles down into these these people, the employees are seeing this art in their in the space that they come to every day to work. Yeah. And um, they're having a growing awareness of art in uh, the Austin area. So that's super encouraging. And I think it's kind of part of this process of just bu- building awareness and, and, and growing the community. And when I mentioned that I was working in Austin to a friend in in New York that does what I do. She said, oh, you're so lucky to be doing it in Austin where all these really great artists are. Ah. So, you know. reputation then? That's a great reputation and she was, that was completely unprompted, you know, like we hadn't really been talking about it too much and she just, for her, working in New York, she sees Austin as a place where there are some awesome artists working. So that's super encouraging and I think that you know, Austin artists just need to keep doing what they're doing and keep working. And it's it's a long process, but it's gonna it's it's gonna get better and it's gonna grow. So that's what I think. And they should all get a coach or an advisor yeah. to help them <laughs> yeah. get their career on track yeah. and yeah. to delegate all the things that they don't like doing. And, mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, and don't know how to do. Um, who are some artists that you're excited about? Um, in Austin, I'm super excited about Adrian Armstrong. He's doing some incredible work right now. And I think I love everything about what he's doing yeah. and who he is as an artist. I think he's really open and honest and, um, I love it. I'm really excited to see where he goes with what he's doing. Um, there's an artist that I found, um, at UT's MFA thesis exhibition, I think last year, her name is Renee Lai. I believe that's how you spell her last, or how you pronounce her last name. It's spelled L-A-I, and she's doing, I love her work. 
Mm. Uh, she just did a residency in Vermont, and she had a piece at the Women in Their Work Red Dot. So I think she's going to oh, be cool. really, really big um, okay. coming up. Um, and then out of San Antonio, there's Andrea Reyes. Mm. Uh, she's doing these really cool, crazy, like, um, super dimensional mixed media pieces that are they're um, a little bit frightening at first, but they're just they're so cool and textural. And I think she's she's going to be doing great work. Um, and then just out of New Mexico, Jen Pack is doing mm. really cool work with Thread. Um, Jordan Castile, you know, out of New York, she's having a big a big moment right now. Um, and yeah, there's there's so many. Yeah, <laughs> but those are a few of, okay. of some of the ones I'm really excited about right now. Cool. Do you have a mm-hmm. list of artists like that anymore? I have a database of artists okay. that I but have. But it's not public. It's not. No, it's 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 what I use for my research. Okay. Um, so anytime I see an artist that I'm excited about or I'm interested in, um, I will contact them for information. And it, that goes into my database for when I need to do research for clients. All so, right. yeah, it's, it's large. <laughs> okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Of course. So you have a few things coming up you wanted to mention, right? If people yeah. are hearing this in time. Yeah. So I am uh, guest curating um, a series of exhibitions at a uh, place called Paris in a Bite um, out here in Westlake. It's at Westlake Drive and 360. And the first show is going to be opening um, on November 5th. Hmm. And it's going to be Austin artist Larry Good and a new series of work by, by him. And it's really beautiful. And I'm excited about it. So, um, And that'll be kind of an ongoing series of, of exhibitions for um, probably through next year. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So it's an opportunity to, to hang art. I was, I was missing creating yeah. shows and I just really <laughs> wanted to have a way to do that. So, um, yeah, this is a good opportunity to do that. Paris and a Bite is a restaurant. It's a restaurant. Yeah, they have designated um, what we're calling the gallery at Paris and a Bite. So it's a it's a really nice wall. They have lit um, really mm. well uh, with lighting for art, and um, it's a space de- designated for for art shows, which I thought was really great. Um, so and they have delicious wine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> and nice. food. So yeah, it's French French wines, French food. It's it's really, really oh, okay. good. Mm-hmm. And how do you think about selling work in restaurants or coffee shops? Because I feel like people are kind of split on that. Like oh, whether yeah. that's worth totally a, a trouble split. or not. Totally split. These days, um, the, the way that I look at it is that we need to show work where we can. We have a space issue in this city specifically, yeah. but this also applies nationwide. If you're an artist and you have the opportunity to show work somewhere, show it. You know, there's no reason not to. There's no reason not to. The more you have your work out there, the better. The more people seeing it, the better. If it's sitting in your studio, no one can see it. No one's going to buy it. So um, that's how I look at it. It's an opportunity to show your work. And and it's fun. I also think that, you know, like I've talked about with a lot of people, having a deadline, like where oh, yeah. even if uh-huh. you have a deadline to show your work at a restaurant, it's still a deadline that pushes you mm-hmm. to do sometimes more than you normally would or yep. get your act together or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get things framed or whatever it is. Yeah, so yeah. It, I think it's beneficial even to the next thing. Yeah. Then you're absolutely. like kind of ready for the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah, for that sure. It might be like a legit gallery show for or who sure. knows what. Yeah. And also it's, you know, whoever's, you know, cause we're going to, it's, I am, I am approaching this series of, of shows as, um, 
as I did in a gallery. So hmm. it's no different yeah. at my end. Yeah. Um, I'm doing everything that I would do if it was a, it was a proper gallery. So um, I, I'm hoping to get a really good response and some opportunities for people to talk to each artist that we show, hmm. you know, because we're going to be doing opening receptions. I'm going to do an artist talk with Larry. Oh, cool. Um, and so it's, it's also showing work wherever you can is also a great way for artists to get feedback and um, just conversation around their work is always helpful yeah so and putting yourself out in the community mm-hmm. instead of just hiding in your studio exactly exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so that's how i look at it um and then i'll be doing a coffee chat at big medium with their creative standard program on november 7th okay and what's that going to be about um that's going to be about the art- artist coaching um oh, okay yeah so that kind of thing yeah nice. yeah yeah, because I, I believe that their mission with that series is to increase the level of professionalism yeah. in, in the city. And so um, it definitely super, very much aligns with values and, and goals with what I'm trying to do with the artist coaching. And I think establishing standards mm-hmm. that artists can adapt to their careers that will kind of not level the playing field, but just kind of get everyone on the same Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. level potentially about pricing and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think I've said this many times over the course of this, of this talk, but it's an ecosystem, you know, and, and we're all, we're all playing a part in it and we're all affecting, you know, the overall art market here. So it's, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing that they're doing with the creative standard to try and bring everyone together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, how would you recommend people get a hold of you or how do you uh, start a relationship with someone if they're mm-hmm. interested in working with you in yeah. any capacity? Just just reach out as a collector or an artist. Um, reach out. My um, contact information is on my website, um, www.skmartadvising.com. Um, also my Instagram. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So um, either of those ways, just reach out and um, we'll start, start a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Susanna, thanks for your time, and I hope that some artists, whoever in anywhere in the world, really could mm-hmm. reach out to you yeah. and um, get your help and or collectors. And I really would love to, like, I don't know, I feel like there's something that someone could figure out here in Austin that would somehow reach people that want to collect art and help educate them on that. I don't know mm-hmm. what that might look like, but mm-hmm. I feel like. I wish there was something that we could do around that, you know, like, well, I think we're doing it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a long, long game, you know, it's, it just takes some time and, but, but I think we're, we're doing it. So we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. If this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care. (laughs) 